أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وقال الذين لا يرجون لقاءنا لولا أنزل علينا الملائكة أو نرى ربنا لقد استكبروا في أنفسهم وعتوا عتوا كبيرا يوم يرون الملائكة لا بشرى يومئذ للمجرمين ويقولون حجرا محجورا وقدمنا إلى ما عملوا من عمل فجعلناه هباء منثورا أصحاب الجنة يومئذ خير مستقرا وأحسن مقيلا ويوم تشقق السماء بالغمام ونزل الملائكة تنزيلا الملك يومئذ الحق للرحمن وكان يوما على الكافرين عسيرا الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Yesterday when we were completing the 18th juz the last of the surahs, the few pages about 20 verses of Surah Al-Furqan were at the end of the 18th part of the Quran So we will be starting from Surah Al-Furqan today covering those 20 verses and then we'll be beginning the verses of it from the 19th juz of the Quran. Surah Al-Furqan is the continuation of that is the first part of the 19th juz. That is followed by a surah called Surah Al-Shu'ara and that then ends and then we have Surah Al-Naml and Surah Al-Naml is then a surah that goes into the 20th juz. So we have a part of Surah Al-Furqan and we have the entire Surah Al-Shu'ara and a part of Surah Al-Naml, insha'Allah. So Surah Al-Furqan is the first one. Surah Al-Furqan is a Makki surah as well. 77 verses in there. And the first two sections of it, about 20 verses, are in, as I mentioned, in the 18th juz, followed by the rest in the 19th juz. And again, the way it starts off is very interesting. Starts off with, it doesn't start off with the huruf muqatta'at, but it still discusses the Quran. So it's saying, Blessed is he who revealed the furqan, the criterion, the distinguisher between the truth and falsehood, between the correct way and the wrong way, upon his servant so that he could be a warner for all the worlds. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about himself. So being a Makki surah, it's going to have evidences for the oneness of Allah and his existence and so on. The first two sections, the first so many verses, they're, they're all about the Qur'an really. Uh, a lot of the... It's discussing a lot of the accusations against the Qur'an by the mushrikeen and then giving their responses. And so you had one group among them who basically said that these are just stories of the old people. Another said that these are not even stories, they just it's just all made up. Uh, it's just all made up by the Prophet Some say that this was actually something that the Ahlul Kitab helped him in, because the Ahlul Kitab were probably the most knowledgeable people of the time, so if there was any source that they could get it from, it'd be the Ahlul Kitab. So they said that. And the third group, they said that, oh, this is all magic. Uh, after that... That's from verse 1 to 6, you'll see that. 
وقالوا أساطير الأولين اكتتبها فهي تملى عليه بكرة وأصيلة It's dictated to him in morning and the evening and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to respond to all of this. So then there's a discussion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and again their criticism of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in verse 7 you see وَقَالُوا مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ يَأْكُلُ الطُّعَامِ وَيَمْشِي فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ What's wrong with this messenger? He eats food, walks into the market. لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مَلَكِ فَيَكُونَ مَعْهُ نَذِيرًا Why wasn't there an angel that was sent with him so that he could also be a warner? أَوْ يُلْقَى إِلَيْهِ كَنْزٌ Or that he, this huge amount of treasure be, um, be given to him. Or that he would have an orchard that he could eat from. Subhanallah. So all of that discussion is there. Because their idea was that how does a poor person, a yatim for that matter, an orphan get this? Whereas generally in the world people rise who have a lot of money, who have a lot of assets. So how is it possible that the Prophet ﷺ has all of that? So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically responding to all of that. And then speaking about the Day of Judgment, وَإِذَا أُلْقُوا مِنْهَا مَكَانًا ضَيِّقًا مُقَرَّنِينَ دَعُوا هُنَا لِكَ ثُبُورًا when eventually they're thrown into, uh, into it, it's going to be a very, very tight space. That's when they're going to start calling for death. Now today, don't ask for just one de death. Ask for many deaths. And then, as always, with the dissuasion comes the persuasion. So Allah says, خير, Is that better? Am jannatul khuld. Verse 15. Or is it, the permanent gardens that the muttaqun have been promised. So the last verse of, the, of that part, of uh, verse 20, is that before as well, we, all the prophets we sent, they would eat food, they would walk in the bazaar. And so this is always a fitna for other people if they don't believe. Okay, now the beginning of the 19th juz now is markedly different. I find the first, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 verses, in fact, until the end of the surah now, it seems like the tone changes, right? It becomes much more intense and it becomes much more majestic. There's a lot of awesome power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning now. So what you'll see is, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لِقَاءَنَا لَوْلَا أُنزِلَ عَنِ الْمَلَائِكَ أَوْ نَرَى رَبَّنَا now another aspect of this, they're saying that why can't an angel be sent to us or why can't we see our Lord? So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in the second verse, يَوْمَ يَرَوْنَ الْمَلَائِكَةَ لَا بُشْرَى يَوْمَ إِذِنِ الْمُجْرِمِينَ The day the angels will eventually, sorry, the day when the disbelievers will eventually see the angels, there's going to be no glad tidings for these wrongdoers in that time. Allahu Akbar. And whatever they used to do, they used to think they used to doing, be doing good. فَجَعَلْنَاهُ هَبَاءً مَنْثُورًا We'll make it nothing. And that's why Allah says, أَصْحَابُ الْجَنَّةِ يَوْمَئِذٍ خَيْرٌ مُسْتَقَرًّا وَأَحْسَنُ مَقِيلًا The people of paradise are going to be the real people. Then Allah talks about, وَيَوْمَ تَشَقَّقُ السَّمَاءُ بِالْغَمَامُ وَنُزِّلَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ تَنْزِيلًا الْمُلْكُ يَوْمَئِذٍ الْحَقُّ Ownership on that day, the true, the, the true, the true sovereignty on that day is for Rahman, and that's going to be a tough day on the disbelievers. وَكَانَ يَوْمًا عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ عَسِيرًا وَيَوْمَ يَعْضُ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ. And that day they're going to start biting their fingers. يَا لَيْتَنِ التَّخَذْتُ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا. Why didn't we become associated with this messenger? Why didn't we find a path with him? يَا وَيْلَتَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أَتَّخِذْ فُلَانًا خَلِيلًا How I wish I didn't take that other person as a friend. لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي Caused me to deviate. Right? After the reminder had come to me. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا And it carries on. It's a very awesome. You should read it for yourself. Just even the translation. It's very, very powerful. There will be... There's a verse here which is... وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا The messenger will say that my Lord, my people 
abandon this Quran. So, what does that mean? According, to, uh, this will be like a complaint to Allah that look, they didn't they didn't listen to the Quran, they didn't follow the Quran. So Ibn Al Qayyim, rahimahullah, he provides. Uh, based on this, he basically provides several different ways that the Qur'an has been abandoned. How the Qur'an is abandoned, several different ways. And that's very reflective for us. So if you look at verse 30, that's where this is being referred to. Number one, there are people who listen to the Qur'an, sorry, who don't listen to the Qur'an, and who don't even believe in it. Like, that's the extreme, okay? Then you've got people who, who do believe in the Qur'an, who actually read the Qur'an, but they don't, practice upon the Qur'an, right? So they miss out their prayers and, and so on and so forth. Uh, number three, you've got people who may read and so on, but they, they may do a bit of worship, but then their actions, their dealings, their mu'amalat, they're not according to the Qur'an. They don't make, let the Qur'an judge them. They, they have their own culture to judge or their own personal fancies and so on to judge. The fourth person is the person who reads the Qur'an, etc., but doesn't think about it, doesn't ponder it, doesn't interact with the Qur'an, doesn't engage with it, and doesn't see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to them directly. And the first one, sorry, the last one, or the fifth one, I mean there could be many variants of this, but the fifth one in general, is these are the people who have lots of akhlaqi problems and heart problems, problems with the heart, problems with behavior and so on, but they don't benefit from the Qur'an as a book of akhlaq. They don't read it to try to correct themselves. They never reflected it. And subhanAllah, if I think back for myself, I'm just talking about myself, I'm definitely guilty of some of this. You know, this has just opened up for me, to be honest, it's just opened up for me other reasons for why I should look in the Quran. You know, one is that you look for guidance. Am I following all the commands? Am I doing all the mu'amalat properly? But am I looking at the Quran maybe for akhlaq as well? Can I, how do I benefit from that? The various incidents, the stories, the reactions... Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talking about good believers, what their akhlaq should be. So I think this is a moment to think. This is a moment to think we've done all of this tafsir, right? And this question that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being asked by the messenger, or he's saying it as a complaint, hopefully we don't contribute to that complaint. We will not be from the people who are doing hajar of the Qur'an. It's in Qur'an mahjura. We don't want to be doing that. So wherever we have shortcomings, then we need to, inshallah, improve that and enhance that aspect so that we can, inshallah, remove the diseases of our heart and uh, we could become people with a more praiseworthy attitude towards things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us. Because this is, at the end of the day, the Qur'an is a shifa, it's a dawa. We may be going after other places to sort things out, to get medicine and so on. But this is the medicine that Allah has provided us. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure us through the Qur'an. Okay, now let's to move on because we've got a lot to cover. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions that the mushrikeen said, وَقَارَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Verse 2032 that is, uh, لَوْ لَا نُزِّلَ Why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why, why, why isn't the Qur'an revealed all at once? So in here Allah mentions again in other places done the same thing. He says, Kadalik, we did it bit by bit. Linuthabitabihi for Adak. Number one, it's to strengthen your heart. Because remember, it's been constantly persecuted, complaints, criticisms, taunted. So when you get bits more information from your Lord, then that's a new communication. And then it's also a response to what they're saying. If it was all given at one time, you'd have to look for the response. But here, it's actually a response according to... A lot of the time, the response would come immediately after they'd asked the question or they'd caused the problem. So, Anytime any other example or parable is brought, we're going to always provide you with something that is truthful and that is better in its explanation as well. And then it continues. Uh, also, there's a number of other benefits. It was easier for people to memorize it bit by bit. If the whole Quran is like, oh, that's a big task. Bit by bit, to understand it as well, to inquire about it. So as the Quran is being revealed, you're implementing it, you're practicing upon it, you're understanding it, you're comprehending it. right? So that was kind of, you can say, the benefit about that. 
so your heart becomes strengthened. That's one of the main things. Thereafter, um, the next so many verses starting from وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَا مُوسَى الْكِتَابَ from verse 35 onwards is a whole discussion about several prophets. Most of them in brief. So you've got Musa alayhi salam mentioned there. You've got Harun alayhi salam. You've got Nuh alayhi salam. Hud alayhi salam. Salih alayhi salam. And their people are mentioned. And then you've got a lot of the detail about them. But then after that, that's to about verse 45 to 49. From verse 45 to 49 then is a discussion about again phenomena. And that, this is quite amazing the way this, is, uh, this discusses all of this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the shade. How the sun moves and the shade extends and so on. And Allah says if he wanted he would have kept it stagnant. He would have kept it passive in one place. And then the sun is an evidence to that. And then we pull it back again. Right? Talks about the night and day. Uh, then after that talks about the rain and so on. And then after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we provide all these examples in the Quran so that they can take heed and uh, get a messenger from this. But most people just reject it, not listen to it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 53, right, which is, bahrain. He's the one who brings the two oceans together or the two seas together. So that's where you got the confluence of the, of the two oceans. Now this happens in several parts in the world. A lot of people ask, where is this? So one is at Cape Point. Then there are several other places around the world where this is happening and it's quite interesting. From Cape Point, if you stand at the top, you can actually see that one part looks a bit slight greenish hue. The other one is kind of a bluish hue, if I remember correctly. And you can actually see the two. They're not mixing. Then there's another place that I went. I can't, uh, it, it, you're in one place, the water was warm. And you just move like a meter to this side and the water is cold. And you accept, what, what, what is this? Why doesn't it mix up? I mean... You try this at home, put a bit of hot water, and then eventually it's just going to get mixed up. Right? It's going to become average. But there, it's almost like there's an invisible barrier. And this is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about a long time ago. Now they figured this out. And I think there was a diver who once felt this way. He felt warmer on one side and the other. One is that it's salty water, the other one is sweet water. You got that from the sea, it's salty. You got the river water, which is, and they're not mixing. It's amazing. And then I think he read the Quran. And when he saw this, that it had been mentioned 1400 years ago, said that he brought Islam. Wallahu alam. That's a story long time ago. Then there's a number of other discussions. But this verse, I must, I must read. You just rely. And your tawakkul should be upon the living one who never dies. And glorify him with his praise. May Allah give us that tawfiq. Verse 61. Um, now, why is this surah called the Quran, the Furqan? Because, Nazila Ali al this is, you'll see that it starts off with Tabarak al Nazal al Furqan ala Abdi. The Quran is referred to as Furqan in this surah. Most of the time, it's not referred to as Furqan. Criterion, the distinguisher between truth. That's why it's called Furqan. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks, uh, speaks about from verse 63, very oft-quoted verses. These are the characteristics of believers, of the servants of Allah. See, uh, just before all of this, Allah says, um, Allah discusses how, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ Who are the servants of Allah that Allah constantly keeps repeating, my servants, my servants will do this and so on. So finally Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, وَعِبَاد, Allah decides to tell us who the servants of Allah are. So you have, وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا And that basically, for several verses then it extends to the end of the surah, describing who the servants of Allah are. So I'm just going to quickly tell you what this refers to. The first characteristic mentioned here is that they are they walk calmly upon the earth so they are they they have humility right they have humility number 2 they constantly they they basically ignore the the ignorant ones they don't they don't get involved with ignorant people and even if they get accosted by them they basically just 
dissolve the situation and carry on. So they don't engage with them and, and get carried away with the ignorance. Allah protect us from doing that. Right? So th they say salam. Salam. Right? Uh, now, there's one person I remember, he was fasting. He says that when you're fasting as well, and you should say to the brother, I'm fasting. So don't say it in, you know, uh, this person, I remember he was, uh, he, he was being bothered by somebody. So he turned and he said, Salaamu Alaikum. Like trying to say that I'm doing what the Quran is saying, that you're a jahil. I don't think that the, that's what the Quran means, that say salam in a way to say you're a jahil. I think the idea is to just diffuse the matter. Just diffuse the matter. Like just say, oh, okay, we'll check it up, something like that, and just, just carry on. Just, just dissolve the whole thing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about them uh, praying at night, worship at night. They're fearful of the punishment of hellfire. They are very moderate in their spending. They don't ex they're not extravagant, but they're not all tight as well. There's some people who just hoard their money and they don't spend even when it's needed, right? So that people actually feel sorry for them or their children. Then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they absolutely, totally abstain from shirk and idolatry. And then you have... They, they do not kill, unknow, uh, you know, they do not kill without right. So they don't just take life just like that. And then after that, probably the longest amount is spent on um, on them not committing zina. All that rest, I just mentioned in a few words. But then Allah says, whoever does that, they're going to reach a sin, punishment. For them, the punishment will be multiplied on the Day of Judgment. They're going to remain in there forever. Illa man taba, except the one who does tawbah, the one who believes, the one who does good deeds. Salihan. Of course, this could also refer to all of those people, but it's brought after zina. Just like last time as well, when you see when you discuss zina, that's when there was a lot more discussion about it. It's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really insisting that people should stay away. Except that Allah always gives a way out. So except the one who does tawbah and who believes and who does good deeds then Allah will actually turn their bad deeds into good deeds. And then again, وَمَنْ تَابَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِيًا فَإِنَّهُ يَتُوبُ إِلَى اللَّهِ That's twice Allah repeats the thing that if you make tawbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept your tawbah. Right? So that's to do with the fornication one. And of course it could refer to everything else. Thereafter, these, these, are, these ibadur rahman, they're also not people who give false testimony. Right? They're completely away from uh, misleading people. They... Then after that, they don't get involved with laghwa. And laghwa, some of us have explained that as basically singing and music. Or just futility in general. And then they are very, they're influenced in the right way with the Qur'an. When they listen to the Qur'an, it influences them in the right way to do the right thing. Finally, the last one that's mentioned here, I don't know why Allah keeps that to the end, but it's about... The famous magical dua, which I must point out, it's the dua of Surah Al-Furqan, verse 74. You should mark this. Ulama say that this is the magical dua that is mentioned. And in fact, as a righteous servant of Allah, Ibadur Rahman, as a servant of Rahman, you should be making this dua anyway. It should be one of your everyday du'as. And inshallah, the benefit of it is, O oh, our, oh, our Lord, grant us from our spouses and our progeny, those that cool our eyes, the coolness of our eyes. And make us imams of the righteous ones. If you're into holding positions and you like to be in committees and boards and things like that, this is definitely a dua you want to do so that you don't become a force for evil. But the first part is the magical dua ulama have said, and you should write this down in gold if you want, right? They basically say that if, if this dua is read, then problems you're having with your spouse will either be eliminated. Your spouse's problems will either be eliminated or they will be subdued to a degree that they won't bother you anymore. That's the benefit of this dua. And you're asking not just about your spouse, but you're asking about not just your children, but your progeny. And I think that also when he says to make them the coolness of the eyes, it's not, not just about this world, but also the coolness of the eyes in the next world. I've highlighted this and I've expounded on this quite a bit in several other lectures that I have on marriage. You can check them out on Zamzam Academy because there's a lot of people with a lot of marital problems. Right? And of course, I've discussed this also in my book, The Handbook of a Healthy Muslim Marriage. Then after that, finally, that's when it, meant, uh, that's when it ends, uh, discussing, the, uh, discussing paradise, that these are the people who will be given these rooms and these estates to stay in because they were patient. And they will, they will receive tahiyyatan wa salama. They will receive greetings and peace. 
when they get there and they will remain in there forever. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, say, tell him, مَا يَعْبَأُ بِكُمْ رَبِّي لَوْ لَا دُعَاؤُكُمْ فَقَدْ كَذَّبْتُمْ فَسَوْفَ يَكُونُ لِزَامَ So that's how the surah ends. Now we move on to Surah Al-Shu'ara. Surah Al-Shu'ara is another set of surahs now that we're looking at. Surah Al-Shu'ara is a Makki surah as well. It has 227 verses. But again, I think a lot of them are shorter verses. That's why, sorry, that's why it's 227. Otherwise, it's actually quite a smaller surah. It takes only about half a juz, just maybe over half a juz of the Qur'an, right? But it has 227. Uh, so maybe that's why it's been brought here and it hasn't been brought earlier with likes of Baqarah and so on. And there's also other reasons as well. So it starts off, Taseem tilka ayatul kitabil mubin nafsaka alla yakunu mu'mineen. Similar to another surah, Taseem huruf muqatta'at, right? Huruf muqatta'at. And again, then the discussion about the Qur'an begins. That the, the, these are the verses of the clear book. And then the Prophet ﷺ is addressed because remember the Prophet ﷺ used to make such an effort to make people believe, to convince people. Even the one individual who didn't believe, the Prophet's heart would go out for. That I wish they would believe. He was a proper man of a mission. Right? You know, he was hundred percent committed. There was actually nothing that could stir him. And he wanted hundred percent success. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is compassionate. And he says to him that maybe you're going to destroy your soul that they don't become believers. Right? You're going to endanger your soul in that, in that way, you know, because of the grief that you have. And then Allah you know, gives him a consolation of sorts by saying that, We could just send them a very clear sign from the heavens and then they would just submit. They would basically just, just be in submission. But the problem is they're not. And that's our plan. That it's up to them. Right? It's a challenge. We've given them both choices. And then Allah mentions how we grew this for them and how we provided them this and how we provided them that and so on. So that's how the beginning of this surah that, that's how the beginning of the surah is. Thereafter, the big, the, this surah is full of the stories of prophets all the way to the end. Right, just many, many different prophets, and there's sizable. I mean, it's not completely brief. There's actually a sizable discussion of each of the prophets. The first discussion is obviously, as always, Musa alayhi salam and Pharaoh. And this is a very interesting discussion. I know we've had this discussion so many times, but you learn new things in here. Right. So, again, they're told to go to the Pharaoh, and him and Harun alayhi salam are told to go to the Pharaoh and saying send the Bani Israel with us. So that discussion is here. Now in this one, there's a bit more of that discussion when, when he approaches Pharaoh, what Pharaoh says. So let's look at it from here. If you look at verse 19, or actually rather, verse 17, when he goes to him and he says, send Bani Israel. So verse 18 and onwards, says he starts mentioning the favors now. now. I can't believe you're doing this to me. You know, I'm the one who brought you up. You were brought up in my palace. And you remained for years of your life with us. And then after that, you did what you did, meaning you killed that Copt. Right? That was a st that's a story that's going to come in the next surah, Surah Al-Qasas. Right? We'll learn about it then. And uh, you, you, you were of the d disbelievers then. Right? So Musa salam says, no, I did that when I was of the... Um, sorry. Uh, yes, he says, I did that when I was mistaken. I did that out of mistake when I killed him. We'll look at that story tomorrow. And then after that, فَفَرَارْتُ minkum. So then I ran away from you because I feared you. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's when he gave me the rule. That's when he gave me the wisdom and so on. And he made me from the prophets. He made me from the messengers. And, uh, and then he responds to him by saying that, oh, so... You, you've enslaved the Bani Israel and now you're saying that that's like a favor or something. So then Pharaoh changes tact. He says, okay. Qala Fir'aunu wa ma rabbul alameen. Who is this Lord of the worlds? Qala rabbus samawati wal ardi wa ma baynahuma in kuntum muqinina. Musa is just on it. He says he's the Lord of the heavens and the earth and everything that's in between if you, uh, if you can be convinced by this. And then Pharaoh says to those around him, he's trying to get them engaged, that look what he's saying. So Musa says, yes, your Lord and 
uh, basically the lord of all of your forefathers, early forefathers as well. So finally, Pharaoh changes tact again when he sees that. He says, this, this messenger that's been sent, right, to, he, he thinks that other people might be convinced. So he says that he's a majnoon, he's insane. So then Musa carries on, Rabbul Mashriki wal Maghrib, Lord of the East and the West, and everything that's in between, if you can comprehend and understand that. So then, then Pharaoh just loses it. He says, If you do take another Lord besides me, then I'm going to basically imprison you. And then he said, The Musa responds and says, What about if I bought you something very clear, a sign, proof, miracle? So he says, If you're right, then bring it on. So that's when he throws his asa down, and then the whole story, the, the snake story. And then after that, he pulls out his hand, removes his hand, and it's so bright. Now, the people are quite astonished by this. This is, you know, you don't have floodlights in those days. Pharaoh gets, Pharaoh says to the people around him that this is a, he's, a, he's, he's turned out to be a major magician. We need to do something about him. He's going to take you out of your lands by his magic. What do you say? So anyway, they decide to bring, and then you know the story, they decide to bring the, all the magicians together. But then when Musa salam's asa is thrown down, even though he's fearful, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him to do that. And then what happens? They all become Muslim. Pharaoh tries to uh, warn them, tries to, uh, tries to uh, give them a lot of warnings, but nothing works. But then what happens is now these verses, from verse 52 onwards, Right, this is when it discussions now. Uh, discussion is that Allah tells him, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَسْرِ بِعِبَادِي إِنَّكُمْ مُتَّبَعُونَ From here, the discussion is that after that event took place and the Pharaoh, uh, the, the Pharaoh lost essentially and the magicians became Muslim, that night, the next morning, by the next morning, these people had to leave because Pharaoh is going to now get very angry. Right, they knew that. So that's why they just left. And that's why Allah tells them to leave. And when you read these several verses, I'm not joking, the, the tone. I, I don't have the time to read them right now. But subhanAllah, the, just the tone, the rhythm of that, it's just perfect for that morning, that morning, that morning departure of this. Just the whole night and the morning, it just sounds perfect in Arabic like that. It's just amazing. You'll feel it if you read it. And then the ending of it is, وَأَنْجَيْنَا مُوسَىٰ وَمَنْ مَعَهُ أَجْمَعِينَ Verse 65. We basically delivered Musa and the people, all of his people, ثُمَّ أَغْرَقْنَا الْآخَرِينَ But we destroyed all of the rest of them in the Red Sea. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً Now what's interesting about this chapter is that after all of these stories, Allah says, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ He repeats this. It's repeated several times. So you'll see the, the first one at the end of... The, the first page or the first uh, few uh, verse uh, 8 and 9 and now you'll, you'll see it again here in it there is a sign but the, but the majority of them were not believers uh, but your Lord is the mighty one and the merciful one you'll see that after all the stories now the next story is Ibrahim salam's story now you know Ibrahim Alisam's story already. This is another take on the story, another aspect of it. And what's really interesting is a few things. That Ibrahim Alisam tells us about Allah. And you see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about him, not always like this is me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about him on the tongue of someone else. So now this is Musa Ali, this is Ibrahim Alisam, who's one of the greatest of the prophets of Allah after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa What he's going to say, somebody who's really understood Allah, so he says the following, look at these verses. Verses 78, when he's talking to his father, and he says that these, these idols are my, my enemies. Uh, my Lord, Rabbul Alameen is my Lord. He's the one who creates me, and thus he guides me. He's the one who feeds me, يُطْعِمُنِي وَيَسْقِينَ and gives me to drink. وَإِذَا مَرِدْتُ فَهُوَ يَشْفِينَ And when I become sick, he cures me. That's Ibrahim salam saying Allah cures him when he becomes sick. So why can't we turn to Allah when we become sick? Sickness and cure is both from Allah. Let us talk to the one who gives us the sickness in the first place. Let us speak to the one who afflicts us with the sickness. That please remove it from us. That's why he's got the name Ya Shafi. Shafi is one of the names of Allah. 
then the one who gives me death, but then will also give me life again. And then Allah, then He says, this is now, and he is the one who I have hope in that he will forgive my mistakes on the day of judgment. Then after that, he does a few du'as. What did the du'a say from verse 80, 83? Oh Allah, grant me hukm, judgment, wisdom, rule. It could be many different things. Join me to the righteous ones, right? Make me among the righteous ones. This is a wonderful dua, actually. Allow for me a truthful word in the people after me. Meaning, let there be a praiseworthy mention of me afterwards. Let me. So it's not to say that let me become such a big guy that people praise me. But no, let me become so worthwhile in terms of doing good and in terms of being good worship that people will remember in the right way. And that's why maybe this is similar to the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, which is very important, especially for people who are always being challenged by arrogance, that I want to do good work, but am I showing off, right? Am I, because that tension is always going to be there. Shaitan is always going to try to spoil it. And the dua is, Allahumma ja'alni saghiran fi aini, wa ja'alni kabiran fi a'yunin nas. There's various versions of that. Oh Allah, make me small in my eyes but make me big and honorable in the eyes of others. It's a constant dua that we should do. Especially the kind of ambitious people and the very ambitious individuals, they should definitely do that, but everybody should do it. Then Allah, then He says, Make me the inheritors of the gardens of bounties. He makes a dua for his father, but remember, in another place it was mentioned that he did that when he didn't know that his father wasn't going to change. And then, this is prominent, this is profound. Do not humiliate me on the day when they are resurrected. On that day, when no wealth and no children will be of benefit. No wealth, no children will be of benefit except the one who comes to Allah with a sound heart. The sound heart, this is a very prominent verse. The sound heart is what we are all looking for. Inshallah, if we read the Quran correctly, we will develop a sound heart. That would be one of the purposes of us reading that. And then there's a discussion about paradise and so on. So, one of the lessons we get from this story now, so you see we get different lessons from the different stories. So from Ibrahim salam's story, the lesson we get that at all times a person should become focused on Allah. Because that is where you're going to get the benefit. Now quickly to move through, the third story is the story of Nuh salam. Right. And you know he had a long da'wah so, And then eventually they didn't listen So they were all destroyed The lesson we get from there is Only Allah guides whom he wishes So you might try with somebody But it may not work There's a lot of there's people who come and say I've been working as a guy uh, He says I've got a colleague at work I've been giving da'wah to her for two years And she doesn't listen So I said well is that the only person That you find to give da'wah to? And there's so many other people. I mean, is it like you want to marry her or something? What's the story here? Right? Not judgment. It's not a judgment. It's not being judgmental. But you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people to give dawah to. Some people aren't just going to get it. We plant the seeds. And sometimes you might realize that after five years, somebody listens. There's been cases like that. Right? They just wouldn't listen. You gave up. And subhanAllah, five years later, it just took time for that seed to germinate. Our job is just to plant the seeds. Guidance is in the hands of Allah. So you cannot guide him. Nuh Salam's story, story tells us that 950 years. I mean, what a story, what an example for da'is. Right? And he never gave up. Thereafter is the story, uh, Ibrahim Salam's story then tells us that we, obviously, we need to be focused on Allah all the time. Thereafter, that the fourth story was Hud Salam's story. Right? Ad, people of Ad. It's the Prophet Hud Salam. Now, these people had huge amount of strength bodily strength and they could they had a lot of abundance of wealth as well and um, you could see it right in in the way they would do things 
they used to make big buildings and used to show off a lot with that. They had a lot of arrogance and pride and, uh, and, uh, and, and so on. And what we learn from this essentially is that when you're extra, uh, that you don't do extravagant, otherwise your ending is bad, right? You don't do things to just show, and you don't basically just build up tall structures, right? Just like that, eventually you come to nothing. I wish some people in the world could learn from that, especially some of our Muslims, different parts of the world, just building sky high, and and so on and so forth. Salih Ali Salam story, and. Again, these people were given a lot of abundance, a lot of resources, and they had a lot of rizq and sustenance, mashallah, and they also had a lot of security in where they were. Unfortunately, they did not do shukr. So these are people who did not do shukr, they were not grateful for what Allah had given them, so they were all destroyed in a tremor, right? And that's, that, is the, that is the punishment for being ungrateful. The sixth story then is Lut salam's story. Again, they were involved in sexual, sexual vices. And as Allah says, something that nobody had done before them. They were the first people to do this. right? And again, their punishment was that the stones were thrown, rained down upon them. And, and they, they were totally destroyed as well. Now, at the end of every story, as I said, Allah says, in this there is a sign. But the majority of them did not believe. They had signs, but they did not believe. But your Lord is mighty. The seventh story then is Shu'ayb Ali Salam's story. Now for a lot of people who are Hafiz, they will know this is a very prominent place in the Quran where a lot of Hafiz get mixed up. And the reason is that they all start off with a different prophet and a different people, but the wording is very similar. right? So the first few verses are very similar. And then after that, it tells you about that particular prophet. So you have to then remember, is it atatuna dhukran? Is it atutrakuna fi mahahuna aminin? Is it awful kaila wala takunu min al muqsirin? Right? Is it amaddakum bima ta'lamun? You know, which, which one is it? Right? So uh, it's, it's quite a bit of a struggle for Hufaz, but it's actually not that when, once you understand the meaning, mashallah, it's actually very smooth ride through them. Now coming. To Shu'aib Ali Salam's story now. Shu'aib Ali Salam's story, again, it's, it's similarly in the, la, the last five since Nuh Ali Salam's story, it's very similar uh, in terms of the, the formatting. So, Shu'aib Ali Salam's story, again, they were giving a lot of bounties, right? They had lush gardens and uh, forests and everything that they could benefit from. Sweet water they were given, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here, right? They did not listen. They, their problem was that they were cheaters. Hukukul ibad was a problem with them the rights of others. So they would actually cut corners when it came to giving the right measure in things. And the, the, their, prophet, their prophet told them to sort that out, but they didn't. So then what happened is, initially they were given several days of really intense heat. Right? So they started suffering with the intense heat. Then after that, suddenly the heat went away, or there were some clouds that came together. And because of that, they felt that some coolness had come. So they all rushed to gather under the clouds. But then what happened is, this was, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but this basically just spat upon them fire. And then after that, they had an earthquake and they were totally gone and finished. They literally became like coal, right? So that's discussed from verse 176. 291, you can check that out. Now that's the discussion of the Prophet's end. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala returns to discussing the Quran. You'll see that from verse 192 and onwards. Quite a bit of a discussion about the Quran, right? That it is revealed from the Lord of the worlds, uh, the Ruhul Amin. Jibreel alayhi salam is the one who's came, come down with it upon your heart so that you can be of the warners bilisanin arabiyyin mubin in clear Arabic. Now the Quran is constantly spoken about that and that's why the ulama understand from this very clearly that the, the only thing you can actually call Quran, Quran is the Arabic one. A translation is obviously somebody's translation of somebody's understanding of the Quran. While it's the closest you'll get, a good translation is the closest you'll get to the Arabic Quran, but that is not real Quran. Though out of respect for the fact that it is the translation of the Quran, we do not want to touch it without wudu. This is according to many scholars, you do not touch a translation either. You can touch a tafsir, right? Because that's more non-Quran than Quran. But because the translation is so closely related to Quran, though it's not Quran, 
right? I'm trying to make sure that I explain that to you. That's why you should even treat translations with respect. And then the whole discussion um, uh, about the Quran and so on. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses وَأَنذِرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ This is verse 214, I think. Uh, go and warn your closest family members. That's who you should really start from. And uh, you should lower your wings for those who follow you from the believers. Be nice to them. And then, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْعَزِيزِ الرَّحِيمِ الَّذِي يَرَاكَ حِينَ تَقُومِ Rely upon the Azizul Rahim, the mighty one, merciful one, who sees you when you stand. وَتَقَلُّبَكَ فِي السَّاجِدِينَ And your movements among the prostrators. He's the all-listening and all-hearing. This, they say, is uh, where the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Ihsan said, أَن تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَى Right, this is basically in the same kind of meaning, that you should worship Allah as though you see Him. So here it is the one who sees you when you stand and when you do everything else. So remember that. And then finally there's a discussion of the poets that come up. And that's why this surah is called Shu'ara, even though it's just like one or two verses at the end. وَالشُّعَرَاءُ يَتَّبِعُهُمُ الْغَاوُونَ أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي كُلِّ وَادٍ يَهِيمُونَ وَأَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ مَا لَا يَفْعَلُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ So it starts off like a condemnation of, of, of uh, poets. Because the crazy poets, those who have been... You see, poetry... I wish I could spend more time on this because I love this topic. Right? Poetry is amazing. But po the, though, uh, if, you, if you just read a biography of Allama Iqbal, right? Iqbal, the great Urdu poet, literally there were days when he could say nothing. He could not build a poem. He could not compose a poem. He says this requires wurud. It literally requires inspiration. And then it just flows out. Right? They, obviously, some poets, they would actually make some up and they will really like make it right and everything. But there's others who just, or sometimes for some, it will just come out like that. And it's just perfectly metered lines. Right? Perfectly metered, rhymed or non-rhymed or whatever the case is. You need an inspiration. Right? And recently I read a book called uh, How to Read a Poem, I think it's called. And uh, it's very interesting. And you can tell that your source of inspiration needs to be correct and that's how you'll come out with good poems or bad poems. And Shaitan Kanizi, and there are several poets who in their poem, I can't remember the lines right now, they say that, you know, I wonder who that, I wonder what that inspiration is that's giving me this inspiration. A lot of the time you can tell it's the Shaitan. That's why the Quran says, Can you not see them, you know, in different valleys just walking around because they're like, sometimes they've lost their mind. Or they're like in their own world rather. Rather than lose their mind, they're kind of in their own world. Like they're just saying different things, right? They're not in their senses. And then they say what they don't do. And subhanAllah, that's a characteristic of many poets. SubhanAllah, there, there are some poets we've got in Urdu and in other languages. They were some of the worst people in terms of their behavior. Alcoholics, um, blasphemers, and, and all sorts. But some of the words that they've said are amazing, right? So you think that they're saying good words... But they don't follow, they don't, they don't do, they say what they don't do. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. But of course Allah always gives a way out for the people like Hassan ibn Thabit, Yunus Emre in the Turkish, right? And, and so many others. Except those who believe in Allah, who do good deeds. If you're a poet and you're worried about bad inspiration, do this. Remember Allah abundantly. Remember Allah abundantly. That will change because that will keep the shaitan away. Right? And that's not just poetry, it's about anybody who thinks they're influenced by the shaitan a lot. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah says, That's the ending of the surah. Soon the people who are oppressors will know, right? Which end they're going to return to. Right? Let's just quickly, I want to just go back and before we start Surah Al Naml, which is the last surah of this chapter, I just want to tell you about some of the other verses that I think we need to be uh, aware of that we may have not covered in detail. We've read the, this one really keep in mind, verse 89, 88-89, the, except the one who comes with a sound heart, because that's something we should be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. And uh, 
I already pointed out the, the, the dua in the previous chapter for marriages and spousal relationships and for children. And I think, I think we've covered them all. There is one that I missed in Surah Al-Furqan, verse 43 and 44. Do you not see the one who's taken his desires to be his Lord? May Allah not make us of them. And then Allah says, Do you think that the majority of them listen and comprehend and understand? They're just like animals, beasts, if not even more deviated. Because at least the beasts, whatever Allah's, uh, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala set out for them, that's what they do. They don't deviate generally from that path. If they're told to uh, live in a certain way, that's what they do. So Allah not make us of those people. Now, let's start Surah An-Naml in the bit of time that we have. And we ask Allah for tawfiq. Surah Al-Naml uh, is the Surah of the Ant. So the previous one was Surah Al-Shu'ara, the poets. And that was just a small mention. It could have been called Surah Al-Anbiya because it's got such a heavy discussion of the prophets. But yes, Surah Al-Naml. So in this one now, Surah Al-Naml because there's going to be a discussion of the in- encounter with Sulaiman of the, of the ants. 93 verses in this Surah. Seven sections starts off with huruf muqatta'at, but it's probably it's as opposed to most tasim meme. This is just tasim. Just wonder what that means. But then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala again says, "Tilka ayatul Qurani wa kitabim mubin." These are the verses of the Quran and the clear book, Hudan wa Bushra lil Mu'minin, which is a source of guidance and glad tidings, guidance and glad tidings for the believers. And then it gives some description of who these believers are. And again, the first thing is الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةِ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةِ Salat and zakat. There's people who pray salat, they don't do zakat. May Allah make us of those who establish both and those who have yaqeen on the hereafter, who have conviction. And then, and then so on. One thing about Surah Al-Naml though, one of the special characteristics of it is that Surah Al-Naml is part of a set. Surah Al-Naml is a, a set of three surahs that were revealed in the order in which we found them in the Quran. Right? So that the three are Shu'ara, then Naml was revealed, and then the next surah which is Qasas, which we'll be looking at tomorrow. So they were revealed, three together with similar ideas in them, and they also mentioned the same way in the Quran. But again, they're still Makki surahs. Uh, and... So it starts in the same way as other huruf muqatta'at surahs like that. Then after that, you've got a numerous discussions. The first, right from verse 7, it starts off with Musa alayhi salam's story. But this time it kind of zooms into when he's returning from Badiyan. After meeting with Shu'ib alayhi salam, which we're going to read more about tomorrow. He's meeting with Shu'ib alayhi salam in his marriage. Very interesting encounter there. He's coming back and that's when he sees some fire. So he goes, I'll, he says to his wife, you stay here, I'll go and get some fire. Right, I'll go and get an ember or something from there or a piece of, you know, a bit of a lit uh, a timber or something. And that's where he has an encounter with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah speaks to him and he tells him what to do and uh, he, gives him the, he gives him his miracles and he also gives him his prophecy at that. So all of that is uh, discussed there, right, about how the two miracles came out to be. And he says that these are the nine signs. Uh, that you will be given for the, from the Pharaoh. So that's discussion. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from verse 15 starts discussing about Musa, Dawud and Sulaiman alayhi salam. And how they were given all of these um, really interesting things more than anybody else. Especially Sulaiman alayhi salam. Sulaiman alayhi salam became the inheritor of Dawud, it says, in verse 16. And then he was taught the language of the birds. وَأُوتِينَا مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ And is given everything right this is a great father of Allah and then he would have his armies of the various the jinn were his army the animals were his army the birds everything were his army so then he would have these different contingents parade for him essentially so they all separated out and as he's going with them as he's traveling suddenly how would you even tell? There's an ant colony. They're very small, right? 
And again, an ant colony is again something we're not, we're not going to have time to go into as we did a bit with the bees. But it's again another very interesting creature and the way they live together. So now imagine an ant. You can't even hear an ant. Sulaiman understands the ant. He hears the ant. Because as they're going to come, come through, that one of the ants says to the others, quickly let's get into our burrows, in our holes in the ground. Because Sulaiman is coming with his army and is going to trample upon us. Sulaiman hears that. And after he hears it, he thanks Allah. Allah, what have you given me? You've given me so much that I can even understand these birds. Right? Rabbi awzi'ni, give me the ability and ashkura ni'mataka allati an'amta This is, you know, for anybody, to be honest, anybody who thinks they've been given bounty by Allah. And most of us have been given a lot by Allah. Right? We, everybody's given a lot. Some people have given, been given a lot more. Anybody who thinks, who can realize that, min He smiled from the speech of that ant. And then he said, Oh my Lord, give me the ability to thank you for your bounties that you have showered upon me and upon my parents and that I do good, that you are then satisfied with. And enter me through your mercy among your righteous servants. Because there's a fitna when you have so much. But I want to be always part of your righteous servants. So those of us who have good, let us make this dua and say, I mean to this dua. Then it carries on and it says, that Sulaiman al-Islami zooms into one particular incident where he's looking around and there was a hudhud, a hupay bird that used to frequent his gathering. Right? It seemed like you know, they, they had a special relationship and that day he couldn't see the hupay. Where's the hupay gone? Right? Where's the hudhud? What's the problem? Why don't I see the hudhud? Oh, is he not present? I'm going to punish him severely or I'm going to basically slaughter him unless he comes with me with a, with a clear reasoning, evidence for why he's not here. He, he didn't have to wait for long, it says, from verse 32, uh, 22 on, onwards. And he says, I've just come from this faraway place, from the queen of Sheba. And basically, it, it, these are people, they're disbelievers, they worship the sun. And the whole story then is mentioned of uh, Sulaiman and Bilqis. Right? So, the, the, just to put it simply, um, he sends a message that this is probably the, I mean, I think that this is probably the shortest letter ever written in the world. This is the letter that Sulaiman al-Islam wrote to Bilqis. So Bilqis says, talking to her ministers, viziers, قَالَتْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمَلَأُ إِنِّي أُلْقِيَ إِلَيَّ كِتَابٌ كَرِيمٌ It's amazing, right? She says, oh, oh my dignitaries or whatever, I've just been sent a noble letter. Innahu min Sulaiman. It's from Sulaiman. Wa innahu, and it is. And this is the letter. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Allah ta'lu alayya wa tuni muslimin. This is probably the only other place where Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim comes in the Quran itself as opposed to just as a beginner, something you do as a prefix to the surah. This is in the Quran itself. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. That you do not try to overcome me. And you come to me in submission. That was the letter. Right? Now that impacted her to such a degree that she asked her people, her ministers, what should we do? They gave her different responses. Right? That, that uh, you know, sometimes they could, these people could just destroy us, whatever the case is. So she plays... She plays a certain hand in there. I'm going to send them some gifts and then see how they respond. She sends gifts. And Sulaiman says, What are you trying to do with these gifts? What Allah has given me is far superior. I've got everything. Right? Subhanallah. So then she's going to come. So then he asks, Okay, I want you to bring, I want somebody to bring. I've got all of these forces at my disposal, all of these sources of great things. Which one of you can bring me her throne? And it was well known. Her throne was well known. It was an amazing throne. Before she comes back, she comes here. Before she arrives here. She was, I think, in the south of Yemen. South of the Arabian Peninsula. Sulaiman so is most likely in Sham. Alright? That's quite a few, several hundred miles or more. Who's going to bring it? Before she comes here. Faster. So there's a jinn. He says, I can be, bring it to you before you stand up from your place. So that's good enough. That's good enough. But then the one who had the ilmul kitab, ismullah al-a'zam, right? he says, I can bring it to you before you blink an eye. Literally there. 
Now, lots of scholars have actually decided, how is that even physically, like literally from laws of physics possible, that you take such a mass of a throne and it's carried with all that resistance of wind and everything, and it's come here physically, how is that possible? So that's where the Ash'ari's atomic theory comes of some good use. They're basically saying, and this is maybe not the time for it, but the atomic theory is that everything in this world is being annihilated in nanoseconds and recreated in a constant theme. It's just we can't notice it. Like right now, as I speak, as we hear, we're literally perishing and regenerating, perishing, regenerating, perishing, regenerating so many times in a single second that you can't even tell we're not there. It's like blinking rate of a screen that you see it like that, you see it flat, but it's actually blinking. So it's very possible that in one screen, the throne is there, in the next screen it's not there, but it's here. Just like you have in movies. And that's up to Allah, Allah knows best. Maybe on the Day of Judgment we can ask to understand the physics behind here. The quantum physics, mechanics, whatever you want to call it in that, subhanAllah. Anyway, that's the story. Eventually, mashallah, she submits, Suleiman and puts another test out for her, a glass, uh, a glass palace. She thinks that it's water. She lifts up her leg, uh, she lifts up her trousers from the bottom and, uh, and then basically she realizes that I don't have, you know, the understanding it does and then وَأَسْلَمْتُ مَعَ سُلَيْمَانَ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ Says that then he married her. That's a whole discussion. It doesn't say that in the Quran though. It says that in some of the other... Places. Then finally, the two last stories that are mentioned here. Again, the lesson we get from Sulaiman Salam's story is to use whatever kingdom, rule, authority, power you have in the right way to do the right things, to bring faith to people. Then, of course, there is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Then talks about Thamud and their discussion um, and their destruction, rather. And then after that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the last story that's mentioned here before the chapter ends, though the surah does not end, is the story again of Lut alayhi salam. Do you do this vice, this sexual vice when you don't, and you're watching? Do you come to men with desire and leave out the women? You're a very ignorant people. And the people, their response was, just get rid of the, the family of Lut alayhi salam, get rid of them from your people. They, 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 and so look at what they say. There are people who want to stay pure. Like literally incriminating themselves by saying, we're not pure, they are pure. So they want to stay, they're people who want to be pure, let them, you know, take them out of here. So we, uh, we, we basically gave him, uh, we, we saved him and his family, except his wife. Now, his wife may have not been doing the act, but she somehow supported them. And that's why, we sent down a rain upon them. And what a severe and evil rain that was for those who'd been warned. Then the final verse is, Say, Alhamdulillah, all praise to Allah. And peace upon those servants that He has chosen. Various ways of reading that in the Qiraat. Is Allah superior or that which they impartner? That's the way this surah ends. I think we have, alhamdulillah, covered everything. So now, for our summary, just a quick roundup. We start off with the ending of Surah Al Furqan. We start off with Surah Al Furqan, so there is obviously the discussion of the Day of Judgment that takes place at that time. A lot of the accusations against the Qur'an and so on. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings about how He destroyed so many different nations. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides evidences for His oneness uh, through natural phenomena outside. <clears throat> then after that, the main part for us to take home with us today are the several verses at the end that starts from وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنَ Right about the description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's servants and also the dua at the end Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa dhurriyatina qurrata a'yun then after that surah al-shu'ara begins firstly consolation to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that so many people aren't listening then after that number of stories of prophets again to give the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam examples 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of that always says, most of them did not believe, but your Lord is mighty and merciful. Right? Then there's a story of Musa alayhi salam, his reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and especially that one verse in there, which is verse 62. Kalla inna ma'ya rabbi sayahdeen. Right? That Allah is with me, He will guide me. Allah will never let us go. Because when they thought that the, the people of Pharaoh were coming after him, they thought we're in trouble now. But that's when he got to the, the Red Sea. He said, don't worry, my Lord is with me. Right? And then the discussion there about uh, Al-Qalb Salim, Ibrahim Salam talks about the one who comes with a sound heart. Keep that one in mind, because that's the only thing that's going to be beneficial. Thereafter that, you have the story of Nuh alayhi salam, Salih alayhi salam, and then... You have the verse, الَّذِي يَرَاكَ حِينَ تَكُمْ At the end of Surah Al-Shu'ara, after Shu'ib story, which is talking about Ihsan, indicating towards that. Then the Surah ends with discussion of the Qur'an and emphasizing the Qur'an, and then the Shu'ara are mentioned there. And then you have Surah Al-Naml that begins regarding the Qur'an, again about it being a guidance and glad tidings and so on. Then you have the story of Musa alayhi salam. And then the story of Hudhud, right, this bird, Sulaiman alayhi salam and how Hudhud is basically also engaged and has his own thoughts about the oneness of Allah. Hey, they are a people that they've been messed up and corrupted and they worship the sun and so on. And then you have Salih alayhi salam's story that it's, it ends with, right, with Thamud, how they plotted against him. Because uh, when he started calling out, it says here, فَإِذَا هُمْ فَرِيقَانِ There were two groups and one of them, plotted to kill him but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala done away with them before they could do so that is left as uh, that don't ever uh, basically underestimate the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and by that we alhamdulillah have ended the 19th juz of the Quran and tomorrow inshallah we start the 20th juz inshallah so uh, Allah give us the strength to complete this with goodness and with virtue, with tawfiq, with correctness, save us from wrongs and misunderstandings. And may Allah infuse our hearts with it and make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.